Welcome to Unity Talks, where the hiring experts of Dallas-based recruiting firm Unity Search engage in lively discussion with successful business leaders to dissect their careers and how they got to where they are today, the obstacles overcome to reach their success, and steps they've taken to stay at the top of their respective fields. So listen in as we provide you with the thought-provoking conversation and ideas that keep industries moving forward. And welcome back once again to the Unity Talks podcast. My name is David Cathy, your host. I'm here every other week. Every two weeks, we have a new episode that drops. And we interview finance, accounting, tax, and information technology guests from all over DFW talking about how they got to where they are in their career. And they get to shed some light and knowledge to us on what we need to do to model in their footsteps. Our guest this week is Bryce Moen. He is the CFO of Arch Energy Partners. Welcome to the show, Bryce. Thank you, David. And I'd also like to say thank you uh, for to Arch Energy Partners and their sponsor, Fifth Partners, for giving me the opportunity to uh, come here today. Very honored to, to work with them on a daily basis. Awesome. Awesome. Well, shout out to Rebecca Ragsdale, who linked both of us up. Rebecca couldn't be here today. She's not feeling well, but very appreciative. When you and I were on the phone just the other day, she's the one that connected us. And I'm sitting there thinking, and a lot of what Bryce says sounds like what I say to our team and mm-hmm. to my kids. <laughs> and so immediately you and I just clicked. And so uh, it's always yeah. nice when someone like Rebecca uh, connects people that automatically click like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so we're going to jump into a couple of things about Bryce's career. One of the things I'm super curious about is a little bit of an algorithm that he runs through on why he makes job changes or why he might not take a job change. So we're gonna get into that a little bit later, but first we wanna get to kind of know Bryce a little bit, our guest. So Bryce is from Grand Forks, North Dakota. What do you do when you're a kid growing up in Grand Forks, North Dakota? Well, you play a lot of sports as that was the kind of the main activities. I mean, I pretty had, I had what we would call a standard childhood, I guess, if if there's a way to describe it. Uh, the biggest difference to people down here in Texas would be it's cold, very, very cold. <laughs> yeah, it's very cold. <laughs> so uh, you wear a lot of winter wear and you get used to the sun not being up for a good portion of the day. So 9 a.m. it comes up, about 3 p.m. it goes down. So Now, is it is it like you get sun like three months out of the year and the rest of the year it's like cold uh, and gray? I or? would say from October to April, you have a pretty good chance of having a lot of snow on the ground. Now, are we in like ski area or is it relatively flat? flat? Yeah. If you mean ski, you mean cross-country ski. Okay. All right. And so it's a big hockey community, ice hockey community. So I grew up playing a lot of outdoor rinks and uh, just playing sports and being involved in music and uh, going to school. Like I said, pretty standard childhood. Outdoor rinks. So a lot of ponds. Yeah. Or you're sitting right on the border of Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota, Canada, not ponds. Actually, people like using hoses to put water in rinks, freezing, and you're basically skating on frozen water, literally. Awesome. Never fear of falling in. Nope. Nope, because again, it's just like putting water on a grass surface. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hard when you fall down. Of course. Yeah. So Very. people check you and take you out. Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. There's All a certain right. toughness, I guess, you get from yeah. doing that as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. A little so. grit. There you yeah. go. You don't have to wipe the dirt off. You just got to wipe the ice off. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Correct. You went to University of North Dakota. Correct. I mistook it the other day for North Dakota State. Yes. Because they're in Frisco every single year for this NCAA Division One football championship. That Correct. We, they lost this year, unfortunately, to South Dakota State. But 
I can't remember the stat, but I want to say it's like eight of the last ten they've crazy. won or something crazy. So it's crazy. Uh, if you're from Fargo, you also say you have a second residence of Frisco. So because uh, okay. they're they're down here so frequently. And and they're they are just from Grand Forks, North Dakota. They're just south of you guys. Yeah, directly one south. hour. Yep. Okay. One hour south. All right. Very cool. Why? So. You chose North Dakota, uh, University of North Dakota. <laughs> it was in your backyard. That's why you chose to go there, right? Yeah, really. I just thought about it. Both, I had a lot of family members that went there. It was a good institution to go to for financial reasons, obviously. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to take out a bunch of loans, so I ended up uh, living at home with my parents, which was actually very good for me, kept me focused. So that's really the reason why I went yeah. there. So big curiosity here, because as I learned, neither of your parents are accountants. Correct. Why, why did you choose, why, why would you choose accounting? I'll, I'll introduce this person more later in the podcast as well, but I have a family member who was in accounting and he seemed to be doing relatively well with uh, his career and his life. And so I was like, well, I'll give it a shot, see if I like it. And, and really that's, uh, that's the reason why. Uh, pretty simple and straightforward for the most part. I did the same thing. So I, there was a guy that went to our church. He was an accountant um, and, a, and a finance guy, as mm-hmm. I knew it. You know, what do I know? Yeah. I'm in high school. I'm a junior, and I don't really know what I'm going to do. And I thought, mm-hmm. the guy seems to do pretty well for his family. He had a van, you know, the van with carpet. Oh, yeah. And it had, like, big blinds. Big in the back, yeah. yeah. The and, Waldorf van. <laughs> yeah. And then it had a ladder on the back to get <laughs> oh, on the yeah. roof. And I thought... That is a sweet van. Yeah. I want one of those. What yeah. does he do? And he's like, oh, my degree, I'm a CPA. And I thought, that's why I'm going to be a CPA. And, yeah. uh, and then I actually graduated, got into it. And I thought, yeah, this isn't, this isn't for me. <laughs> um, so you obviously had a different experience because you stuck with it, which yes. is a lot of what it takes is sticking with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's yeah. A lot of patience, a lot of perseverance. And so... Luckily, I've had the opportunity to work for some great organizations uh, that have challenged my skill set, challenged me intellectually, obviously had a lot of great people to work with. So that helps you stick with it over as long as I have. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get into that. So you started your career in public accounting, actually in Minneapolis. That's correct. With Deloitte. That's correct. So what, what led you to that? Is that just what you did? Like what led you to Minneapolis? What led you to Deloitte? And how in the world would you go from Minneapolis and North Dakota down here to DFW? So when you go to the University of North Dakota, there's a big pop portion of the pop student population that goes to Minneapolis as that's the closest metropolitan area where jobs are. So Grand Forks is a town of 50 to 60,000 people. So you do the math, there's not gonna be a lot of, there is opportunities if you wanna stay in North Dakota, I should say, but if you wanna go work at bigger companies, see more of the, the world, if you will, you'll end up going to Minneapolis. So that's where, that's where uh, I went. I actually spent a year at a smaller firm first and made the decision that I wanted to go work on bigger clients. So that's how I started at Deloitte uh, after that. Uh, worked there for two years in the Minneapolis office uh, at the University of North Dakota. I met my girlfriend, now wife, uh, Sarah. She, her family lived here in DFW, and from UND she finished up her studies at University of North Texas. And at that time, when you make that decision that your relationship will become permanent, uh, made the decision to take a, a transfer to the Dallas office from Minneapolis. Awesome. Awesome. She didn't drag you kicking and screaming. You're like, warm weather, let's get there, right? <laughs> uh, uh, really, uh, it's actually different. 
the intent was her being from the north to get her a job in Minneapolis, but frankly, it was a lot easier for me to get a job down here than it was for her to get a job in Minneapolis. Being a teacher, obviously, everyone knows about the teacher challenges here in the DFW area. It was, frankly, relatively simple. Her father was a teacher down here as well, so she was connected in districts. So at the time, uh, you know, being young and knowing that DFW was a thriving and still continues to be a thriving business community as well I got nothing to lose if I go down there and if the relationship doesn't work out well I'm still in DFW which is a great city so let's go for it well bless Sarah's heart she's got three of the hardest jobs in the world she's a teacher she's a a mom and then of course she's a wife so the hardest jobs right (laughs) absolutely she would say that being married to me is more than one job. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. Okay, so you started in public accounting, and then you you made a transition to industry. We'll talk about that here in a moment. But mm-hmm. I want I want to pause on this public accounting part because I've talked about this a lot on our show before, mm-hmm. um, and through my career of being in recruiting and and Unity Search, mm-hmm. uh, we get this question all the time, and that is. Well, why, why do people say you need to go big four? I don't get the value. Like, why do you need to do that? And, and I, you know, we talk about the value and, and we don't discredit people who don't go big four mm-hmm. or don't go public accounting at all because a lot of times there's just equally as good accountants that have not done that. What, from your perspective, do you identify as the differences between just going straight industry and having a little bit of public accounting in your background? From my own individual experiences, uh, you know, the reason I went to Big Four, as I said, I have the family member who's been the, the most significant mentor in my career. He'd always preached, look, I went to PwC for five years. You should really take a look at it. And so from my experiences, I can tell you that it provides a lot of flexibility. And, and by flexibility, I mean career optionality. You can go work at bigger companies. You can go work at smaller companies. Uh, the biggest thing I would tell you is, one, you meet a lot of different personalities. And as you know from being a recruiter, working with different personalities is a, is a thing that you must conquer throughout your career. Secondarily, you work on just a lot of different engagements in a lot of different industries. As you get more advanced in your career, unless you want to be a subject matter expert, you could probably speak to this a little bit as well. You have to be almost more of a generalist than anything else, uh, know a lot about different areas. So you get, a, a, you get exposure to a lot of different areas, a lot of different industries, a lot of different people, which opens up a lot of optionality so that you don't necessarily have to be pigeonholed into, I need to work in this industry or that industry. And so that's the, the biggest benefit that yeah. I've seen. I see that a lot too. Uh, all those same things that you that you talked about, like if you really break it down and, and even die further, you have options of if I wanted to work for a publicly traded firm, there's a ton of value having that SEC reporting experience. And Correct. the majority of people that are in an SEC financial reporting role come from the vast majority. We're talking, you know, more than 95% of people from my experience. They've come from big four, they have a CPA, mm-hmm. and that's what gets you there. And then you have the ability to move outside of that once you get in the organization. But if you don't want public account or SEC reporting in your background, you can go straight industry, Correct. right? And mm-hmm. so you have such a wide variety of options. And again, that's not to say people who don't choose that because 
Lord knows I've run into a number of people and you've probably hired them in your career where you're like, wow, this person is fantastic. You know, I would absolutely hire you over anybody coming out of Big Four because of the value that you're bringing. Absolutely. Really, it just depends on what type of job you're trying to go into and kind of mold you're trying to fit. Obviously, as I've progressed in my career and needed different responsibilities within my team, I've actually looked more non-Big Four than than Big Four. But again, it's more of a timing element and what kind of position Mm -hmm. you're working for. And so at the end of the day, uh, big optionality is the reason. Uh, Obviously, I fell into the, um, and we'll get as to the why, but I went right into that path that you're talking about into Mm -hmm. uh, financial reporting, which actually helped um, as far as when I got laid off from Deloitte in 09 uh, as a economic casualty, there was a financial reporting role at, at Fossil where I went to immediately after that. And to your point, why did I get that position? Well, I had the financial reporting background of working at public companies. So there is that, I guess you would say, opportunity it gives you. And is yep. it a standard path? Probably so, if you want to call it that. But it's, it's available here in DFW. Exactly. I feel like um, one of the things that allows you to do is it allows you to apply for a wider variety of jobs. And that ceiling isn't there when they say, oh, I need this background. I need big four public accounting. And it's like, well, I checked that box. I'm yep. going to apply. That gives you a leg up on the competition. Whereas a lot of people, when they see that, it's like, well, I don't really have that. And they're precluded from applying to that job. Um, so and, and the preclusion does happen. I mean, I've, I've hired, when I was at Fossil, I hired financial reporting people, and immediately if they didn't have a financial reporting background or a big four background, they were typically removed from the process. That's not saying they couldn't do it. It's just an exactly. immediate. It's an immediate, like, no, I need this mindset and skill set. And you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I can think of two people, one who I will see a week from today, and I was just talking to her yesterday that she didn't, she didn't have a CPA, Mm-hmm. She doesn't have big four. She doesn't have public accounting at all, mm-hmm. but she has SEC financial reporting. And I always told her, I'm like, you are the rarest of the rare. <laughs> and she's so good mm-hmm. at her job, you know, mm-hmm. so you're exactly right. It is there for people. Okay. So you alluded to it back yep. in 08, 09, we had what we call the GFC, the great financial crisis. We could call it the first one because supposedly we're going through another one right now. Correct. Um, Though I can tell you from our firm's perspective, maybe we feel a little bit of a bump in the road, but it Mm -hmm. hasn't been the impact like it was in 08, 09. So your client at Deloitte was significantly impacted. That's right. And you ended up leaving. And so our client actually fired Deloitte as their auditor at the time. And if you work on a public client at a big four, you typically spend 80 to 90% of your billable hours at that public client because you're there throughout the year, interim planning. So at that time, you know, when firms were struggling, they were looking for ways to cut costs. I was a fairly easy decision to remove because I didn't have chargeable hours to go to. Mm-hmm. And at the time, being a young uh, 20-something, you're like, oh, this is you know unfair. But now when you get older in your career, yeah, it makes complete sense that I was the one chosen at the time because it was an economic decision, not necessarily a performance yeah. decision. Well, so let's so let's talk about that unfair fair, because if we are in the middle of another little bump in the economy right now, mm-hmm. and, and if you've if anybody has recently touched LinkedIn to see what's going on, 
you will see, oh, this firm laid off a few people and this firm laid off a few people. And, and it seems to be centered around technology companies yep. right now. Yep. Um, but it, let's just talk to uh, people who are beginning their career or their mid-career level. Mm-hmm. And they've never gone through this before because we're talking about 13 years now. People yep. can be 13 years into their career and they've never seen anything like this. Correct. And if they're impacted, you took a unique perspective. Now you may leak, had to lick your wounds a little bit, yep. but then you took a unique perspective, which I thought was really refreshing and good. So tell us about the perspectives as you looked at your career at that time. So I can tell you the like the first day after it happened, obviously kind of, like you said, licked my wounds, stumbled around, what am I gonna do? And then thankfully, uh, we'll talk about more about networking here. As, th- as we get through the podcast, I had a, a friend who was the senior manager, audit manager at Fossil at the time who was able to get me a position quickly. But as part of that process of going to Fossil, I was able to take a step back once I left Deloitte to say, okay, what do I really want out of my career? Let me take a break here and figure this out. Because at least my experience at Big Four, I was, you know, Deloitte's color is blue, so I always said I was true blue at the time. I was going to stay there for as long as I could to really advance my career. Now it ends at a screeching halt. Mm. How can I, what do I need to do differently so that I can uh, really differentiate myself from other individuals down the road? Because there was a lot of public accountants on the, on the street at that point in time. So went to Fossil, had a great experience there and really learned more about financial reporting from the inside of the company versus the outside as you learn kind of what it takes to crank those reports out Mm -hmm. and was able to work under two foot, the CFO and CAO at the time were fantastic people and I learned quite a bit from them. Also through that process though, I said, well, let me kind of figure out, do I really want to work at a large public company? Do I really want to, as they say in the lean, startup do I want to pivot or persevere and so during that time I was like well I think I'm probably going to be more of a pivot person than a persevere uh, because at the time working in SEC reporting you can get pigeonholed into that pretty quickly Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I figured working on reporting just wasn't what I wanted to do and so I took that time to go back to grad school here in um, Dallas, the UT program on the weekends as a way to expand my skill set, expand my network. And then after grad school, I had the opportunity to go work for, again, pivoting, working for a small oil and gas company here in Dallas. Yeah, what's what's really interesting about what, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting flashbacks of that time. By the yeah. way, if you were a recruiter in those times, in 08, <laughs> 09, it was a tough time. I mean, yeah. we lost so many people, it was, it was brutal. Um, and I'm fast forwarding to now and you took a time to look at your career and say, is this what I really want to do? And I look at just DFW right now Mm -hmm. and just talking about the market, you know, we, since COVID, um, from COVID and post COVID, if we are post COVID, so let's call it post COVID. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, we have lost so many accountants in the industry. Yep. And we have gained so many companies. Correct. And we just can't, I mean, we're, we're not graduating enough high schoolers going into an accounting program. Correct. To fill all the spots in DFW. Correct. And the influx, like we know we're getting an influx of people in DFW because mm-hmm. the traffic's horrendous and yep. it's getting worse. 
but they're not all accountants. Correct. And so we're not filling all the jobs. And then I just saw this article the other day by Mike Rowe, Dirty Jobs Guy. Mm-hmm. Love that guy. Um, and he he had this article where he was talking about men 35 to 45 in the prime of their career just leaving the workforce mm-hmm. because they're fed up with it. Mm-hmm. They're done with the workforce. And we just have people leaving in droves. And so that is creating a, a significant hiring challenge, which I'm sure you and your peers have seen. I know yep. we've seen it trying yep. to fill roles. The other thing that creates, though, is it creates significant opportunity yes. for people who are aggressive and attack their job. And they can really move through the ranks so much faster today than I feel like they ever have been able to because, A, there's not enough people, and mm-hmm. B, they're so um, adaptable to new technologies at such a faster rate than what you yeah. and I are. Correct. Would you, like, what are your thoughts about that? As far as job opportunities and hiring, I'd say, yeah, it's a significant challenge at this point. Um, historically, as an example, I'd never gone and posted a job on LinkedIn. Uh, I did the first time this year and thankfully we lucked out and was actually used LinkedIn as a as a source to find a candidate. I'm not saying it's not a good place, but typically you go through a recruiter process. Mm-hmm. But of recruiters I've talked to, like, if you could find a candidate, good luck. Literally, mm-hmm. that's that's what they've told me. And so from there, it's it's been challenging. And also the other challenge is, to your point, basic supply and demand. They're, instead of hiring for skill sets, which there, there's that fine balance between skill sets and personality, they'll say, look, if I can just get the right personality, I can train them up. Where in the past, it'd be like, yes, they have to have the right personality, but they should have a baseline of skill sets. Mm-hmm. Whereas some of my peers are like, I just needed to get somebody here that I could train yeah. versus having to be choosy across the board. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you could have candidates, I'm sure you've seen it, where they walk in, have an interview, like, okay, give them an offer now so they don't leave the building. Exactly. Literally. Oh, yeah. It's, so. it's, it's, uh, it is a significant challenge that... I just, you know, we're lucky. We live in DFW, and mm-hmm. you know, we're very employer-friendly state, mm-hmm. and we attra- and we're central to the U.S. So it makes sense if you're a big company and you have distribution centers and you fly people in from the coast mm-hmm. instead of from coast to coast, right? Yep. Significant cost reduction, and so um, we're very lucky in that aspect. I do get concerned um, about not having enough people, but if I were starting my career, I would be licking my chops. I would be like, Oh my gosh, this is like, I'm going to prove myself. And, and that's how I want to go into, uh, this, this algorithm that you have, because it's, it's a combination of networking and algorithm. And we're going to cover them both at the same time, because you got your next three jobs based on your network. Yep. But you also layered on this algorithm on Correct. top of it that you use to evaluate, should I make this job move? Yep. Right. So yep. so give us give us your algorithm, how you layer on top. And we're not we're not saying it works for everybody. We're saying it's worked for you and it's yep. a unique way. It's yep. a unique perspective to apply. So tell yep. us about that algorithm. Well, first, I want to take a step back and say the the individual gave me this algorithm is a family member. He's been, like I said, the most influential mentor that I've had. So like I've said before in this interview, the mentor is by far the biggest uh, benefit that I've had. And when I say mentor, I mean somebody who will be real with you, mm-hmm. not give you a high five, give you a high five, 
uh, tell you to get your act together, kick you in the behind if necessary. So um, he's been a CFO at several places, been very successful. And I just candidly asked him one day, like, help me understand how you got there. And because I was like, you've moved jobs, but everything has kind of seemed to move in a general trend forward. Kind of what was your your idea that you used? And he said, well, it's pretty simple. You you don't make a job change unless you see an advancement in title, an advancement in responsibility, and an advancement in compensation. And I thought about it for a minute. I'm like, that seems kind of trivial, almost basic in a sense, but it does make complete sense in the fact that, yeah, people want to see an upward trend. You want to you want to continue gaining your skill sets, and compensation is a, a variable in the decision to leave. So using that approach, that's the algorithm basically. Mm -hmm. And so, but also it's been successful. I had a mentor while I was at Deloitte who gave me these three rules as well. It said, if you want to survive at positions for a longer period of time and really grow your skill set, you have to understand that one, uh, no news is good news. So unless somebody is telling you you're doing poorly, you'd probably be okay. Two, it's never as good as bad as it seems. Keep your level head and continue to grow and move forward. And then three, accentuate strengths and minimize your development needs. So using those two approaches together is how the, the algorithm, if you will, came yeah. to be. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, so, so, the, uh, so the first three from your mentor is title, responsibilities, mm -hmm. skills, yep. and pay. Make yep. sure those are trending up. Yep. So, so I'm curious about this because I, I, I often feel that at some point in time in everybody's, or not everybody, I mean, that's, that's too definitive a word, in a lot of careers, you're getting towards the end of that career, right? Yep. And you know that retirement's on the horizon, you're looking forward to it, you're mm -hmm. excited because you've been doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. And you're looking for another job. A lot of times it's hard to continue that trend of that, that compensation going up. Correct. And I'm sure you take that into consideration, like, okay, yep. this is my stage in my career. Mm -hmm. I understand the opportunities are limited. So there's all those, you know, it's not like this has to be the way it is. Correct. There are other variables that you think impact that algorithm, correct? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, I would say life is a point. Um, another individual who is a mentor of mine, he said, when you have a family and you have kids, you'll start to make certain decisions based upon what's most comfortable for that situation. So mm -hmm. I think if you have a family, um, that weighs into it. Timing is a big element of it, of you know, where, where are you at in your career? Does it make sense to make a move? Is there even an opportunity to make a move? And, and then let's be candid, luck plays a lot into it as well. So yeah. um, my first oil and gas job that I got, I had no oil and gas experience, but the individual believed in me who hired me. So uh, as a recruiter, you know that a lot of people say, unless they don't have, in, unless they have industry experience, I'm really not interested. And we get that all the time. Yeah. And so, but thankfully this individual hired for the traits as opposed to just the position and the technical skill set which is something that I've, I've taken with me on my career yeah. as well. Uh, yeah, and then that was, and that therein lies part of that network, right? Yep. That you, yep. I mean, that position and the next two, the, including, you know, the second one, which is the one you're in now, yep. that was just building on your network, Correct. right? And Correct. Not, not, you know, a lot of times we, we've talked often on this show where, 
accountants have this, and I don't know if this is like this 1970s pocket protector persona of, oh, they just want to stay at their desk and not communicate. Mm -hmm. And because I I don't necessarily think that's the majority of accountants these Mm -hmm. days. I I really think that, uh, again, it's just this mindset from from years ago. Um, And you have agreed with most other guests who are all leaders Mm -hmm. in what they do, and that is get out there, network, get out from behind your desk, go talk to people in person. Correct, correct. And I, I would say let's, Let's talk a little bit about what networking means in this instance. A lot okay. of people think networking is cocktails and mixers and going out after work, which it is. There's there's an element to that. But really what I use it for is who do I need to know within my industry that can help me from a skill set, a connection standpoint? And how do I go about engaging with them? Is it LinkedIn has helped, obviously, uh, but... You know, for me, it's more of a lot of breakfast meetings, a lot of lunches, a lot of calls now. And so, but also what really helped me is specifically at Dale, uh, where I worked, this is an interesting story. Um, I was going to a a social event Mm -hmm. and um, the CEO said, you know, what else are you doing to to network to help the company? And at this time I hadn't really taken a big step forward. And, And I was like, you know, I've never thought about it that way. I thought I was just an accountant sitting behind a desk. But start networking with peers because that's how you actually help solve a lot of problems for the position that you're in. Like, hey, have you ever dealt with this? Do you have a vendor I can reach out to? Do you have an individual who's done the situation? And then that helps catapult your career as well. Because not only is it knowing someone, you have to know people that have worked with you to say, yeah, I know Bryce. Mm -hmm. I've worked with him in a technical capacity. You should really talk to him. Yeah. I really like that. I really like the layering of your algorithm and and those first three, again, title, pay, responsibilities, skill sets. I really like that layered on top of networking. And then, yes, you know what the what the old Deloitte partner said absolutely rings true. You know, Mm -hmm. no news is good news. A lot of times in my world, I say no news. When we get no news from a client, it is news to the candidate. We need to tell them if we get no news from a candidate. No news is news to the client. Yep. We need to communicate, and and that's that communication link. Correct. You know, um, but I I really like the algorithm layered with networking because then it's not so much just this subjective. Well, I don't really know if I should take that or not. Well, what do you think? Well, what do you think? Well, what do you, you know? And you're just constantly knowing there's outside influences, stages in life, family. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important to consider. The thing I thought of yesterday when you and I got off the phone or two days ago when we got off the phone was a, uh, an accounting manager at one company is a controller at another company, of of is course. a senior at another company. Of course. And those are those outside factors that you kind of have to rationalize to level the playing field. Absolutely. And so, as I said, when I went from was at Fossil, went to grad school, made, you know, pivoted to, to say, I'm just, big company's not for me. Let me go build my skill sets elsewhere. And so that's where you become a, frankly, a small company controller and CFO. And so you could say my, my responsibilities are very, very wide ranging, which I enjoy. Um, and that's not to say that big company experiences aren't great. It just wasn't my skill set fit and something I wanted to develop at that point in time. I really like that. I really like that. So title, pay, responsibility, skill set. Let's remember that. That's a good way to a lens to look through. Okay, so we're wrapping up here and 
I've kind of got my final question, I, and, and you already know the answer, but I want you to share uh, a little bit more. I was going to ask, you know, what's the number one piece of advice? And, and you said it earlier. You yep. said you've got to get the mentor. Like that was so critical for you. And it wasn't the, you know, high five way to go, but it was someone who spoke truth to you. Correct. And you needed to be tough enough to hear it, and they needed to be tough enough to say that. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why is it your number one piece of advice? Let, let's end on this. Well, I would say you've probably heard the phrase, you can sometimes be your own worst enemy, right? And so my mentor, a lot of times, helped me avoid those pitfalls that go into that, especially as you get more advanced in your career. You'll hear about a peer of yours, and oh man, he went to here, he got the senior accountant position. Man, he's got, he's making 30 grand more than me. I should, you know, where am I at in life? Should I be? chasing this 30 grand and so I just have some conversations with this mentor and he'd say look I understand 30 grand means a lot to you right now and 30 grand is hypothetical in this Mm -hmm. conversation but I'm telling you focus on the skill sets focus on developing yourself and you'll you'll close that gap the compensation gap uh, relatively quickly which is which is proven to be true so and then really just to help in highs and lows and so you're going to have days where, oh, man, I really messed this up. You know, how do I deal with it? How do I gain the confidence of, of my um, boss to make sure it doesn't happen again? What can I take from it? What can I learn from it? Mm-hmm. And it needs to be, at least for me, a, an independent third party, if you will, who could give me honest feedback that uh, you could have the conversation and you could, could leave it alone after that. Yeah, yeah. We need to hear that. We need to hear the honest feedback. So to those who are listening, I know what I'm taking away um, from this is I need to provide that, uh, speak truth to our people. Um, And I need to provide them that honest feedback. That doesn't mean harsh. That means honest. And you do it in a loving way. And and I know I need to challenge myself to get better at that. And sometimes I don't do it. and, And I think I'm protecting them. And really, I'm protecting my own feelings. And that's why I don't do it. And and to call myself out, you know, I'm, I'm being a chicken about it a little bit, you know. Um, but that's going to help them develop. And if you are that person who's growing in their career, seek that mentor out and, and then ask them to speak truth to you and not just give you, you know, rainbows and, and sunshine like it is in Dallas compared to North Dakota, you know, speak truth, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And I would also say about the mentor, they can, you can have several different mentors depending upon stages in your career. This is a family member of mine who I've known since I was a child, so he stuck with me the entire time. But I've had my uh, Deloitte mentor as a partner there, and now he's moved on to be a very successful chief accounting officer of a large public entity. So he was a great mentor for the time period mm-hmm. while the relationship lasted. So don't think it has to be just a mentor like mine that was a family member. It can come in various different forms. I love it. Bryce, thank you so much for joining us here on the Unity Talks podcast. And to thank our, you, David. Appreciate yeah, it. absolutely. And to our audience, thank you so much for listening, joining us. And we will be back in two weeks with another guest to share their wisdom and knowledge for you. Thanks so much. If you're looking for the next step in your career or the missing piece for your team, Unity Search has you covered. Whether it's finance and accounting, tax services, information technology, or human resources, Unity Search is here for you with experienced and dedicated hiring professionals. Reach out today and take the next step.
Unity Search, placing you first.